Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. And welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week, going to guide you gently through another show. And a uh, big show this week because we've just released our annual agency business report, the biggest deep dive into the sector. And whilst it's about agencies, it obviously speaks to the client sector as well because there's no agencies without clients so it's a really interesting report this year completely unprecedented and um, we're really going to dig deep into that with Frank Washkirk who's uh, joining us as usual hey Frank how are you I'm doing well how are you doing Steve I'm doing good yeah on the west coast for the first time in three years so um, this is a uh, multi-regional podcast because we've got Chris Foster here who's the chief executive officer at Omnicom Public Relations Group. Chris welcome to the podcast. Hey Steve I'm delighted to be here thanks so much for the invite. Yeah looking forward to chatting. Um, Absolutely. Before we get digged into the agency report let's talk to you a bit you've been in the role around a year and um, talk us through that year, what you set out to achieve when you joined last June and how it's going. And, and just to sort of set the scene, you, you're the sort of umbrella organization within the Omnicom holding company for the PR discipline. And, and obviously your agencies include Fleischmann Hillard, Ketchum, Paul Novelli, Marina Mar, etc. So uh, a, a really interesting role, an overarching role. Um, talk us through how it's been going. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. Um, you know, one year would be uh, will be next month in June. I started end of June last year, and I'd say it's it's been thrilling, right? I mean, it's I've I've loved the experience. Um, you know, getting to know the people, our clients, and the work. You know, as you know, you know, Steve, we're sort of a collection of iconic agencies with sort of a deep and varying expertise. So what's been fun is to sort of dive in and get to you know the secret sauce uh, of all of those um, all those agencies and, and how we're deploying those against some of our biggest client needs you know one of the things that you know has been really surprising to me um, I thought a lot of time and energy would have to be spent you know focusing on getting the organizations to collaborate but the spirit of collaboration across the portfolio and globally has been absolutely you know awesome uh, and it's, it was a real surprise um, you know, so that was that's been that's been good to see. You know, one of the things I set out to do a couple of things. One is is, you know, make sure I understood the value prop, understood the organizations uh, and the people in the work, and I and I got that done. Big focus on people. Year one, not a surprise, I'm sure. Making sure I not just understood the people, but we, you know, brought on great talent uh, across the portfolio and and put programs in place you know, to, to make sure as we starting to come out of the pandemic that we did so responsibly and gave our employees the flexibility they needed and supported them in every step along the way. So we're in the middle of that now, uh, but the, there's been a big people focus. There's been a focus on clients, client service, uh, but also trying to make sure that, you know, we continue to try to put systems in place where we're innovating and trying to anticipate some of our client needs uh, to support them on their journey, uh, but also then then drive drive growth and then innovation. Um, you know, you 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 know, you've covered in the past. We spent a lot of time in investing in OEID. Um, that's going well. We're now looking at sort of OEID Omnicom. You know, earned intelligence at uh, 2.0, uh, 
um, you know, and out, moving outside the U.S. to a broader sector of clients, getting some more specialty solutions in place, which has been been a good journey. So it's been fun. Um, I, you know, sort of love what I do, and I think we're uh, we're on a we're on a good trajectory moving forward. And as you know, you know, we closed the year you know strong in in 2021, and we're off to a, a, a fairly good start in Q1, as you reported. And you know, I'm optimistic about Q2. Yeah, lots of layers to that. that, that one of the dangers of, of a holding company role like that is that sometimes it can be maybe purely ceremonial and not, you know, getting stuff done. But it sounds like you've been got some substantive things going on there. And are you going in almost pitching for business as Omnicom PR group on some occasions as well by pulling together sort of different elements of the of the group? Talk, talk yeah. us to a little bit about about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, look, as you know, I'm a, I'm a practitioner at heart. I love the work and I like to dive into the work. So I have spent, you know, as much time on the agencies and our people as I am with our clients. Um, and, you know, what, one of the things that I, I was excited about and it has come to fruition is our ability to go in and offer solutions as OPRG. You know, we've seen evidence of that across you know, our, our, our business and health or technology and others. So it's, it's, it's good. I mean, I, you know, people always ask, you know, do I want an entire OPRG solution? And, and the answer to that is no, I like the individual agency brands. Um, they're iconic. I think they're, you know, they serve a, they serve a role, uh, but there are some instances, um, you know, where it makes a lot more sense uh, to be, to provide an OPRG solution where I'll bring, you know, two or three agencies together. Um, you know, in order to, to, you know, support our clients on the journey. And I've, I've been involved in a good bit of that. And it's actually helped us a bit, truthfully, you know, relative to staffing. Um, as you know, when you're trying to ramp up on a job that may require, you know, 10, 15, 20 staff, my ability to go across OPRG to find, you know, that specific account director with X experience or Y and be able to, you know, move them on to, um, you know, across holding company team has been, I can do it faster. Uh, and you also provide some growth opportunity for our staff. So I'm trying to find a way to use our size as an advantage when I'm, you know, not just to deliver solutions for clients, but also provide career growth opportunities to stretch, uh, stretch our staff as well. So very much so looking to do more of that where I can. Yeah, and you certainly had a good performance in the PR Week Awards. I was sat near <laughs> you, and everyone was having a good night, winning lots of awards. Fleischmann Hill was uh, Agency of the Year. I guess your biggest three agencies are, are at different stages in their leadership, where you know very settled under John Saunders, but whereas then you had Mike Doyle at Ketchum and um, David at uh, Porter Navalier, sort of earlier in their leadership journey. How do you reflect on the different brands and how they're doing and where they're at? Um, that they all grew in you know, 2021, yep. as did, you know, all boats rose. But uh, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, as you mentioned, I think uh, under under John's leadership and that cabinet, you know, Fleischmann continues to perform extraordinarily well. Uh, could not be happier with what they did, what they've done and what they continue to do this year, um, you know, across the board. So so really thrilled. And I think they've, they've sort of found really solid footing and have cut quite a bit of wind in their sails. Uh, so happy there. Ketchum also grew. I think Mike is entering, you know, is into his second year uh, as global CEO, um, which is which is great. I've been really pleased with our partnership. I love what's happening at Ketchum. I love what they're doing in the analytics and data science space. I'm seeing some of the brand and consumer work come back uh, slowly, uh, but is coming back, which which, as you know, has been, you know, important for them uh, in the past. I'm seeing more opportunities for, for Ketchum on the corporate side. So 
So I think we're going to see good things to come uh, as Mike shores up his global leadership team, but also then works in the regions uh, and the U.S. is, um, you know, doing well under nearest leadership. And similarly with David, uh, I think David is, um, you know, wrapping up uh, his second year in, in role. And, you know, I think David brought a unique skill set as a former management consultant to Porter and really helping, you know, figure out, you know, who we wanted to be in this next iteration of Porter. And I think leaning into healthcare, but also purpose has been, you know, a real, uh, a real asset for Porter. And he's continuing to add to his global leadership team, support the team in the U.S., I'm seeing a nice, diverse, um, you know, set of clients. And one of the things that David and the team have done that I'm very, very pleased with, and I've been pushing across OPRG, is a focus on how we support the federal government. Uh, as you know, that's uh, an important audience uh, for some of our private sector clients, but just an audience, uh, an important audience in, in, in general. And Porter has a, a long legacy of doing, you know, work in supporting uh, social marketing efforts um, around the government in the U.S. Um, and, you know, there's a recommitment to that. And I'm seeing, you know, that that payoff for us in spades. So very, very happy about what they're doing and think we'll continue to see great stuff moving forward. Yeah, now you, you also came from the management consulting world. And one of the drivers of growth uh, that came out of the report was that um, all the areas that, you know, PR is now playing in, right? This is way beyond your media relations play. You know, you're into C-suite counsel, you're into CEO positioning, you're into business repositioning, as well as employee engagement, purposeful business. All of these things that, you know, that they might have one time used a management consultancy. How much is that? And, you, and you're also tapping into different budgets for that, not yep. just a pure communications budget. So what, how are you seeing that? And how what's the sort of USP, if you like, for the PR management consulting play as, as opposed to, you know, your former employee or McKinsey where David came from? Yeah, I, I see, you know, I've been really, really impressed and surprised with how much is expected, uh, how much more is expected of PR agencies and how we've been able to step up. As you mentioned, in addition to the traditional work, you know, we're into geopolitical issues, business continuity, risk communications, um, you know, labor. So it's, you know, it's, it's vast. We're actually, you know, sort of stretching and flexing our muscles in, in really unique ways. And what I, what I like about that is it's the diversity of the work, um, the work versus work we're doing for clients. It's our ability to give our staff, um, you know, senior leaders at mid-level talent in the organization, a different skill set. Right. And, and um, you know, with respect to these types of consulting engagements and it diversifies the portfolio. Um, you know, that allows us to, you know, protect against, you know, other softness that may come down in the horizon. So I think it's only going to increase, um, you know, as you, you know, probably would imagine, PR has, uh, you know, evolved and taken a very special place in the communications mix. Um, we're already sort of headed there, I think, leaning into the pandemic, but coming out of the pandemic, if you can say that, um, I'm only, I'm only going to, I only see more and more opportunities for us to flex and, you know, dare I say, encroach in more and more of the consulting space, uh, which, which I love. Uh, and, you know, as a former consultant, natural consultant, and, um, you know, with a deep, you know, appreciation for my time in consulting, I love being able to merge the sort of the intellectual rigor and discipline of consulting with the creativity and earn media and agility in, in PR to really bring very, very deliberate sort of best-in-class solutions to the clients that we serve. So, and, you know, I think it's not lost on me, and you mentioned tapping into different budgets outside the CCO or CMO going into boards and C-suites and chief risk officers um, and chief legal officers are, you know, is, is also very, very good for us for all the reasons I mentioned before. So I don't see that stopping. 
Um, I only see that continuing uh, moving forward. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, PR is on a new level now, and uh, yeah. sometimes I think we always need a PR campaign and pain for the PR industry because <laughs> I don't think that message comes over in the mainstream media, for example, and with young people who we need to attract into the industry because the vibe I'm getting is that we the, the industry would have grown even more if we had the access to more talent. That, that you're having to turn away business at agencies because you just can't get enough people to fulfill all the uh, the work that clients are um, contacting you for. So that's a big challenge, isn't it? I, I think it's a, it's a massive challenge. Uh, you know, we're all competing for talent. Um, you know, we're all trying to think about the future of work. That includes, you know, the physical environment, but also the virtual environments. We're getting a lot of pressure. Uh, from staff on wanting flexibility, but we also want to make sure we support our staff and their mental health because it has been a very difficult two years. And as we get more and more demands to to do more for our clients, to stretch our capabilities and, and skill sets, and you know requires more training, and we're asking more and more of our staff. Uh, so no, I, I do you know worry a little bit about um, the demand and how we meet the demand, but it's not that's not just an Omnicom issue. I'm sure other agencies uh, struggle with that, you know, we have to find new ways to, you know, um, broaden the pool of talented, uh, uh, you know, um, staff that we seek, which is something that we've been exploring and don't quite have the answer yet, but it's something we're paying a lot of attention to. Yeah, I think that's a massive priority. Um, yeah. When I, I think if I look back, I've done 13 of these reports. Um, the first one, I think it was very white male leadership, uh, the CEOs in the uh, to, in the top agencies. I'd say that there's now more women leaders than men, uh, which is positive, but you still don't see many black or brown faces there. So what's your, as one of the most senior PR professionals in the, in the world, you know, how do we get a more diverse leadership from an ethnicity point of view to, at the top levels of agencies? Yeah, I mean, so I'd say two things. One, we just have to do it, right? But it's also the type of thing, Steve, where there, there's, um, we need to broaden the pool uh, of talent as well, because in some cases we're all competing, you know, for the same very senior level seasoned, you know, um, you know, black and brown PR talent. And that just, uh, you know, I think we have to do more than that um, and, you know, cultivate from within and nurture and build uh, more deliberately through mentorship and sponsorship and creating more opportunities for our staff to rise up the ranks in organizations. And there are lots of different pathways uh, to CEO. You can get there through client services, operations, growth in BD. Uh, as I did, uh, and I think we just have to continue to, you know, sort of beat that drum. So we're on a journey as Omnicon for that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to report that, you know, at the OPRG level, we continue to make year-over-year -year progress in growing representation across, you know, every racial and ethnic category uh, across all levels. And you know, it's nearly four out of ten of our new hires uh, are people of color. But that's not enough. We have to continue to do more. Um, you know, the challenge and an opportunity really is that, you know, with a portfolio like an OPRG, every agency is at a different level, you know, in a different place on the sort of the DE&I journey. So we need to sort of meet our agencies where they are and push them where we can uh, to do more. And we're, we're doing that very deliberately. Yeah, and we've had, yeah we've had guests on the podcast Soonmi Kim at Omnicom PR Good. Group and em Emily Graham at, uh, at Omnicom Group level, um, great leaders, you know, doing fantastic jobs. Well, I got to pick up on one thing that's sure. frustrating to us is that Omnicom is the only holding company that doesn't reveal its workforce diversity numbers, and um, you know, which every other uh, holding company does, and uh, you know. It's, it's important to us, and I think it's important to people to see 
what can you do about that? It's, why is why is Omnicom lagging in that regard? Yeah, I don't know if we're lagging. I mean, one of the things I'd say is, you know, we we Omnicom shares its workforce, um, you know, composition data at the network level, right? And that's consistent with our financial reporting. Um, but I understand, you know, where you know there could, and it's a conversation we're constantly having. Uh, where you know it could be helpful or interesting at times to just go into the individual agency level, uh, we're not there yet. Um, you know, so you know, as of uh, our, our 2021 data is going to be available in June, uh, and it's going to be our first ever Omnicom DEI report, which I think will also be eye-opening. So be on the lookout for. Uh, well, that was last Ju- June 2021. So, you know, again, I know it's probably not as satisfying. Uh, something we continue to look at, but that's where we're reporting at the moment. Yeah, we we will continue to ask you. <laughs> you will, I know. I know it's important, Steve. Um, but uh, yeah, those were interesting numbers. Frank, let's get into the agency business report. Um, talk us through some of the top line findings and things that really stood out for you. Well, I think the biggest top line finding, of course, is just the gigantic revenue increase year over year. You know, PR firms posting average growth of 18% across the board globally, 19% in the U.S. I mean, really tremendous growth. And we should note that that is also up pretty substantially over the 2019 numbers. So it's not like it is just up over the pandemic year of 2020. So I think that is the biggest and most impressive top line finding from the entire report. And I think that if you just look at the rankings tables, you see one gigantic revenue increase after another, after another, after another. So you see it on an individual level and you see it on an industry-wide level as well. Yeah, some of the agencies were incredible. That's a good point you make about comparing with 2019. It's not just a bounce back from COVID year. This is true growth. And, uh, you know, whilst I, I'd be surprised if we do the same growth in 22, I still think it will be very, very positive growth. And, um, and as we uh, pointed out last week's podcast, too, they are generally, the PR firms are generally outperforming their counterparts within the holding companies on the creative mm-hmm. side. So maybe a bragging point for you, Chris. <laughs> I bet so. Absolutely. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw like Frank, some firms like ICR was up over 80%. I think Lippy Taylor was up over 60%. You know, these are incredible. And, and, and these are organic, you know, increases in the main. So it's just incredible growth, right? It really is to the point where you see this on the forums and you think it must be a typo of a start. But with this year, it's, I mean, and we should point out too, I mean, um, you know, I did the profile for Real Chemistry. And you think about all of the acquisitions that they've done over the past few years, and you you see this gigantic growth number, and you think, well, that must be due mostly to acquisition. But in their case, it's largely organic. I mean, it's the vast majority of it is organic. So um, it's not like shops are just buying up other firms left and right, and then they can credit the the revenue growth number to that. I mean, it's real true uh, organic growth for the most part. Yeah, although there was a lot of M&A, wasn't there? And that yep. was a very interesting feature that um, outlined all the deals from the past 18 months and then some of the sort of trends behind those deals. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's it, this is another uh, bounce back area where I think it was Mark Penn, uh, the CEO of Stagwell, who was talking about you know the deal market just completely closing up during the pandemic. And then once the industry really moved, I, I, I can't say out of the pandemic, but moved beyond the depths of the pandemic. Uh, it was really time to do business again. Chris, what's your attitude to m Have you been playing in that field? I, mean, I assume it's quite competitive, um, but uh, everyone, you know, there's a lot of deals going on. 
Yeah, no, there are a lot of deals going on. We're always on the, you know, the, the lookout and the hunt for, you know, the right partner. Um, so it's absolutely something that's on my radar screen and, and we're taking very seriously. Have not, uh, you know, other than OSK, which uh, I think, you know, we, we brought into the network in October uh, mm-hmm. one uh, out of Germany. Um, we've not done not much else in the last few months, but there's certainly, uh, you know, a couple of conversations we're having and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, Frank, you did a, a very interesting piece on the client view, and obviously, you know, the clients drive this whole industry. There's no, there's no agencies without client billings. What were the, what were the main things clients were saying about the agencies and what they, what they want from them? Well, there's, uh, there's another side to these, these gigantic and and really positive numbers, and that's that it has created a lot of new work for agencies, or maybe work that they haven't done in the past or haven't had access to. And a lot of it is what you and Chris talked about earlier, this, this very high-level counsel of um, you, you know, CEOs saying, uh, CCOs realizing that their job is more important than it's ever been to the, to the chief executive officer. But the responsibility that comes with that is that they need to have intel about things that they never had to before, uh, whether that's you know, the situation in Eastern Europe or the you know, grass crisis, inflation, all of these things. But they, um, you know, largely you hear that they, they sort of want this advice on a different level than you would get from, from a consultancy. You know, a lot of, you know, what are you hearing from the folks overseas? What are, what are the media reports like? What are reporters asking about? Uh, and so that's really interesting. Now, this is happening concurrently with clients' in-house teams growing as well. A couple of years ago, you know, we talked a lot about in-housing and whether, whether corporations were bringing a lot of this work inside. And I think the reality from the past year is that they are growing their in-house departments, they're growing their in-house responsibilities, but also tasking the individual agencies with more as well. So you see all of those things happening. And by the way, firms are still doing the basic, as, as they would say, the blocking and tackling stuff of you know, making sure the blog posts get updated and, and the contact lists are updated and still doing media outreach as well. So with this revenue growth, you also have uh, a broader range of responsibilities for the firms than ever before. I think one of the most incredible things uh, on the whole story is that the agencies have produced such incredible growth, but whilst also having staff turnover of between 25 and 40 percent, you know, which is incredible rates, really. If you think if you're up near 40, that's two in every five of your people turning over. And, and clients want stability, don't they? The, the thing they hate most is when they're speaking to a different person on their, on their team, uh, you know, every other month. So that's, that's an area that's, as we were speaking to earlier, is really crucial. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that comes up as well. It is it is clearly, I think, you know, whether talking to people for a certain feature or just talking to people out in the industry in general, it is definitely something on the top of, you know, chief communications officers or their equivalents' minds. Um, and, and very obviously something equally on the minds of, of the folks running the agency teams as well. Chris, if you were starting your job, you know, in normal times, I guess you'd have been flying around the globe, you know, visiting lots of different uh, offices, visiting people in the regions. I guess you weren't able to do so much of that. Are you going to be starting to do more of that now? And how do you see the rest of 22 progressing in terms of the health and growth of the agency sector? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great question. And that was the one, you know, disappointment, although it was beyond my control, 
last year is I, I wasn't able to do a multi-market geography office office swing. You know, I got to a handful in the U.S., but just given the COVID travel requirements and quarantine requirements, not much outside the U.S. I did get to the U.K., um, but no, very much so uh, as things have started to open up in the last month, uh, I've been traveling more, um, you know, I'll be over in, in Europe twice in the next six weeks, which which should be good. And hopefully in Q3 over to Asia. So I expect to move more. And I think it's quite important for me to do as as we look out into 20, you know, the back half of 2022. You know, if I, I'm actually, you know, touch wood, you know, optimistic. The business is performing as expected. You know, no major surprises to date and those things that you know, have come up, uh, we've, we've been able to manage. But as, as Frank mentioned and, and you raised, I mean, the, the, the number one thing that keeps me up at night, you know, is our people. And it's, you know, retaining, developing, supporting our existing talent. You know, coming out of the pandemic, as I said, if you could even call it that, I mean, there's, I'm sensing a, a new level of fatigue, right? We have to sort of gear up to travel again and commutes and subways uh, and that's, you know, in some cases can be thrilling and in some cases it can be overwhelming and, and, and produce a new level of stress. So I'm paying a lot of attention to the, to the, the health and well-being of the staff as we are asking them to do a bit more and change the dynamic, even as flexible as we're being, you know, with, with coming into to offices and traveling to clients and client meetings and, and events. But uh, I think a lot of us are excited about that and moving again. But it, uh, it's something I just keep an eye on as well. Yeah, I mean, I flew into San Francisco on Monday and got a cab into town. It took 15 minutes. You know, that, that always used to take an hour. You know, so I was like, oh, we're here. Right. OK. Um, so that that was an, an indication. And, you, and the offices are still sort of fairly empty. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a good point to it. What about the sort of economic headwinds, the geopolitical challenges, gas prices is one of the I mean, one of the things about PR being newly respected and, and, and regarded in the C-suite is that whether times are good or bad, you're going to need senior counsel and you're going to need help. So in theory, we should be seeing good growth this year, you know, maybe not 20%, but, you know, possibly in the sort of 10% figure if we're sitting here in a year's time. Yeah, as, as Frank mentioned, I'm optimistic about that. I think to your point, you know, as as we see new challenges geopolitically, whether it's inflation, around the ESG sustainability side, climate positioning. I mean, those are those are opportunities for us to support, um, you know, our clients and their communications needs and their business needs. So as we've demonstrated, we can pivot and adjust, you know, in the last two years in a, in a COVID era, we're doing the exact same thing as these new, you know, challenges and dynamics enter the market. So I, I you know, expect us to, you know, perform uh, well in, in 2022, despite some of the the headwinds that you may see on the economy and others, but I'm realistic. We'll certainly be impacted by some of these dynamics and we'll sort of weather them. So I'm not, it's not Pollyanna uh, as yeah. I look out in the horizon. Yeah, so there's so many different elements. We can't cover them all on this show, but I do recommend you go and check out prweek.com and go and have a deep dive into the agency report. There's so much to look at. We do talk about the large agencies a lot. They make up 80% of the market, but we also spoke to lots and lots of smaller firms as well, whether they're part of the independent global agency networks. There's a big deep dive into that with some uh, chats with the, some of the individual smaller agencies in that world. We go deep into consumer, corporate, public affairs tech and healthcare trends and I've got a perspective on all of those we talk about the world of comms tech and Chris you mentioned Omni R&D earlier that seemed to be a, a big driver of some of your, your growth at uh, your Omnicom firms 
Absolutely. Yeah. OEID has been successful. You know, we're, we're deep into the second year, uh, you know, of the platform and continuing to find new ways to turn it against, you know, some client challenges and opportunities around influencer and public affairs space. And now we're trying to get outside uh, and support, you know, get, get OEID into Europe. So love what we're seeing there. And, and again, I, you know, we've been on a journey. Uh, I've done this, you know, the last 10 years, but I'm happy to be able to do it at Omnicom with really leaning much more into data science and analytics to support the practice of communications. And OEID has been a, you know, a, sort of a, at the pointy tip of the spear for that. So you'll continue to see and hear more of that moving forward. And I'm, I'm, I'm really psyched with what's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Frank, was there anything else that really stood out for you on, on the, all this content? It's, it's, a, it's a massive undertaking, isn't it, that we do every year? And it's it's it's, it's uh, great to see it go live. And it was a slightly relieved feeling as well. Yeah, so a couple of things I would say is, number one, um, keep an eye on the things that were discussed in the Comstack feature. Uh, because that's a rapidly evolving space in terms of the different platforms and updates to the platforms that agencies are using as they, you know, really try to satisfy clients' needs for, for you know, data and data that really tells them something and can help with strategy. And I also enjoyed the healthcare sector feature just because of how it talks about the focus on mental health in late 2021 and 2022, you know, as people are still reckoning with everything that's come out of the pandemic. You know, whether that is, you know, racial inequity, returning to the office, you know, all of these different huge, you know, heavy topics uh, that, that have weighed on people over the past couple of years. So really interesting stuff in all of the features. And I, I think the individual agency reads are, you know, like we said, they tell a bullish story. And it's always, you know, it's always interesting to see who's moving where, who's up the most, uh, you know, who's moving up the table the fastest and things like that. Yeah, the healthcare piece is interesting. I mean, if you think you know, we've, we've now got the world's first $1 billion PR agency in Edelman and, um, you know, they do maybe 30, 35% of that business is healthcare. So that makes them a 300 million plus healthcare agency, <laughs> which is incredible to think. And Chris, you're looking after like 1.3 billion, I think something total billings. And I'm guessing there's, you know, 20 to 30% of that is healthcare. So it, it's such a, every story now has a bit of a healthcare lens through it, doesn't it? Everything. It's it's the largest group within our you know our practice as well, and and it continues to perform well, and we continue to try to find ways to diversify that portfolio and, and treat it as such. But you know, it's it's I'm not surprised at the numbers you mentioned, and and I expect that to continue for sure moving forward. Yeah, and finally, Chris, I think one of the the things that really struck me is the the way that agencies are saying. Yeah, um, we can't take this business on. You know, they're turning business away. So, and they, and and that's almost unheard of, isn't it? But it, is it a is it a positive in that that some you can trim down your portfolio, maybe sort of get away from some of the clients that might be a bit toxic and people don't enjoy working on, or they might have particularly long payment terms, or you know, or you might you know maybe decide to lose some of the smaller work and leave that for the small mid sized shops and and really double down on your bigger clients how how's that playing out at Omnicom PR group yeah I mean look I, I never want to turn down a client and try to support them but but it's 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 a different dynamic right I want to make sure and our agents want to make sure we can actually deliver we can staff with the best people to deliver against the brief and sometimes we we just can't do it uh, with the staff we have available and with the time we may have in order to bring new staff on so it's always a, a sort of a a gut-wrenching decision to make when you have to turn down a potential assignment, um, you know, because you know, we, our staff wants to do the work. 
But if we, we're not going to be able to do a good job, we, we, we do that. But it, it really isn't, you know, a sort of a, a, a proactive strategy to, to change the balance of the portfolio. It's much more a function of where we can operate responsibly and do great work for clients. And if I can't do that, sometimes the, the responsible decision is to just tell them I'm not able to support them at this time. Yeah. And maybe you have partnerships where you can feed business to uh, other, you know, agencies that you've, you've got good relationships with as well. In certain as, as I do. Yeah. No, yeah, as, yeah. As I, I want them to get the help they need and hopefully it'll, they'll pay it forward at some point. So I'm going to refer me to. Yeah, absolutely. Life, a bit of good karma <laughs> comes back for you. I'm, I'm, right. I'm a believer in that for sure. Yeah. Chris, it's been great to catch up with you and congrats on the first year in post and looking forward to seeing how you uh, develop it moving forwards. Now, especially now you can get out and travel a bit more. Yeah, Steve, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I you know, I, for all you do for the industry, I, I you know, I'm a big fan of, of uh, PR week, but also I think your reporting is honest, fair and balanced. So, so thank you for all you do. And, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on today. And Frank, congrats on getting the, uh, the agency report done. I know it's a, a massive lift. So exhale and know that we all appreciate uh, all you're doing as well to get that information out to us. Yeah, and I, I should say lots of credit to go around there with the PR team that just did a, a ton of work on this over the past few months uh, and got it done on time. So, yeah, it's thanks for that, Chris. Absolutely. It's a team sport. We have uh, Byron Kittle, Kevin Zitzman, and uh, Lisa Gill, Sean Ayling, yeah, and all the reporters. It's a fantastic job and great to be associated with you. Very proud. Um, but, yeah, we don't have that long to exhale. There's always something <laughs> new around the corner. So we've got our healthcare and pharma conference next Tuesday in New York City. That's our inaugural show. We'll have an afternoon of brilliant content and then the awards, the first healthcare and pharma comms awards. So do make sure you get your ticket for that. It's going to be great. Um, we've got our 40 under 40. The first deadline for the entries to that has just passed. You've got another week, I believe, to get your entries in for that. Then we'll be in London for the Global Awards on uh, May the 18th. Really looking forward to going back to my home of my birth for the first time in two, two years. And uh, that's going to be exciting. And then we'll have our Brand Film Awards in a virtual setting the week after that. So, yeah, not too much time to draw breath, but uh, it's all good fun and uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. So thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks, Frank, as always. And uh, we'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.